Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Julie Levy. Dr. Levy is professor of shelter medicine at the University of Florida. She is a specialist in small animal internal medicine and has published more than 100 scientific papers on the health and welfare of animals in shelters, feline infectious diseases, humane alternatives for cat population control, and contraceptive vaccines for cats. She founded Operation Catnip, a university-based community cat trap neuter return program that has sterilized more than 50,000 cats since 1998. In 2014, she joined Dr. Kate Hurley to launch the Million Cat Challenge, a shelter-based campaign to save a million cats in five years. Julie, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Stacy. It's wonderful to be here. So I, I had to pause as I read the end of your bio, just saying saving a million cats in five years is quite tremendous. And, and later in the show, we will talk more about the Million Cat Challenge. But I, I'd like to know, how did you get started and involved in helping community cats? Uh, it goes way back, Stacy. Uh, I went to veterinary school at UC Davis in the late 1980s, and that's an agricultural school. So there were a lot of feral cats on campus. And this was, like, of course, before the internet, before people knew what TNR was. And so it just seemed logical that we should spay and neuter the cats at the veterinary school. And so we had support from our faculty, and we started doing this on a very loosey-goosey ad hoc basis. Uh, we didn't know there was such a thing as a cat trap, so we chased these poor cats around with nets uh, at the university dairy and other places, and then finally learned on our own how to do it better in a way that was more effective and more humane for the cats. And at the same time, in the late 1980s, other groups were doing it as well. It seemed like just such a natural way to control cat populations without harming the cats. So Alley Cat Allies was being born during that period and a few other TNR programs were also spontaneously starting around the country. It's so funny how so many groups, I think, and so many people learned on their own, isolated in a bubble. and But then over the course of about 10 years, then we started realizing that so many of us were doing this in other parts of the country. So about 10 years later, at that point in time, you decided to start Operation Catnip. And, and what was the sort of impetus behind that? So I was doing my residency and PhD at North Carolina State University's Veterinary School in the early 1990s. And I helped uh, technicians at the veterinary school run a pet rescue group. And it was a typical group. Uh, we kept our cats and dogs in foster homes and adopted them out but we were encountering these feral cats that we couldn't serve through our, our foster program. And again, we started on a very low scale doing trap new to return just for our own volunteers. And as soon as word got out that we were doing that, we had a tsunami of demand mm -hmm. to help people in the public neuter their cats and even from animal control shelter with their cats. And so 
eventually it became uh, so much of a task for the pet rescue group to do this that we founded a separate TNR group in 1994 called Operation Catnip. Operation Catnip is still running today and still doing clinics? They are. So the original program in Raleigh, North Carolina is still doing the monthly clinics. And then when I moved here to the University of Florida in 1998, we started another chapter involving our veterinary students here. And over that time, since you've been doing so many surgeries over that period of time, have you seen a decline in the numbers coming into those clinics? Are, you know, are you making a regional impact or, you know, are the cats coming in from farther mileage wise? Have you seen any statistical trends that way? I wish I could say <laughs> that neutering 200 cats a month in our community was completely controlling the population, and that is not the case. We still limit our Operation Catnip to our county here around the Gainesville area and have no trouble filling our clinics. However, we've had a dramatic impact on the number of cats that are entering animal control and the number of cats that are euthanized there. So, for instance, when we started, there were almost 4,000 cats a year entering the shelter, and 80% of them were being euthanized. And then last year, there were about 2,500 cats entering the shelter, and only about 350 cats were euthanized. So we've had a dramatic impact on reducing harm at our shelter, but there's still no shortage of cats in our community, and kitten season still hits us really hard. One thing I'm thinking of, too, is that sort of a funnel or a direction. So there are these cats that were originally going into the shelters, and so now many of those cats are being directed through the spay-neuter clinic. So when you start a targeted TNR program or return-to-field program, which we, in a recent episode with Karen Little, we were talking about the differences between return-to-field, spay-neuter return, or shelter-neuter return, as well as targeted TNR. We sort of went through those different definitions, but some of that population is now being moved into the clinics and not necessarily into the shelters. And obviously also, hopefully, there'll be a reduction in the kitten population also that that goes into those shelters. That's right, Stacy. And we've worked very closely with animal control on nuisance complaints. So when somebody calls with a concern about cats in the community, animal control alerts Operation Catnip, and Operation Catnip will go out and meet with that resident and work on mitigating any nuisances and managing the cats through the TNR program rather than taking them to the shelter. So that very close partnership is an essential component of why our cat intake and euthanasia is decreased. We've also, in the past couple years, added a return to field program that Operation Catnip supports at our local animal control agency. So cats, especially cats that are shy or during kitten season when we don't have adequate adoption capacity to have live releases for all the cats in the shelter, we'll manage them by neutering them and returning them back to where they came from. And that's been a very successful supporting element of life-saving in our community. Looking for a great tool to help educate your neighbors about community cats? Check out this sign available from the folks at Lumen LS, a life-saving organization from Broward County, Florida, that believes no cat should be left behind. 
This sturdy, bright orange sign featuring an ear-tipped cat would be great for cat colony caretakers, shelters and rescues, spay-neuter clinics, or municipalities and animal control organizations. Education about the correct ways to manage community cats is exploding in the U.S., especially in the last five years. This sign will help you let your community know that ear-tipped cats have been fixed and vaccinated and pose no threat to them. The community cat sign comes complete with all of the hardware you need to post it, Buying and posting the sign will help move animal welfare forward and improve outcomes for cats in your area. You can view and purchase the signs directly from our Facebook page at LuminLS. They also have a colorful informational brochure about community cats plus lots of other resources. Support the Community Cats podcast and LuminLS.org by going to LuminLS on Facebook today. So I'm going to jump ahead to make sure we have enough time to really dive into the Million Cat Challenge. We interviewed Kate Hurley in an earlier episode. We'll have that episode number in the show notes, as well as people can go to the communitycatspodcast.com, our website, and just search Hurley in the search bar, H-U-R-L-E-Y, and her show will come up talking about her involvement with the Million Cat Challenge. How did you get involved in this with Dr. Hurley? This was really a spontaneous eruption of (laughs) enthusiasm for saving cats. We did a plenary session at HSUS Expo in 2013 where we talked about completely shifting the paradigm for how shelters approach cats. And it was so well received by about 2,000 people that were in the audience. So when we returned home to our shelter medicine programs, both of us just couldn't forget this reception we had received at Expo and how committed shelter managers and rescue groups were to changing how we approach cats. And we both said we wish we could do this full time. And in a very spontaneous way, we approached Maddie's Fund to see if they would make it possible for Kate and I to step aside from our shelter medicine program for a few years to focus on saving a million cats in shelters over five years. And Maddie's Fund was amazing. They immediately said yes. And then that launched us on this next phase of our work with cats, which is helping shelters actually do that work. So we have a challenge of saving our cats, you know, in shelters and stuff. Will there be any sort of metrics around how to measure our free roaming cats? That's always the sort of, I would say, almost the million dollar question is, you know, how many cats are out there that we need to TNR or provide spay neuter services in order to make an impact in the community? Is that something that that you would see potentially happening down the road maybe? That's a really good question, and I think it's essential for us when we're planning our programs to have high impact is to know what kind of measurable outcomes we can look to. And one question that we all have is how many cats are out there and how many cats we need to spay and neuter in order to reduce their population and reduce kitten births. I'm happy to say that there is some research happening in the background that's starting to address this. One thing that shelter staff have and veterinarians have is a lack of the ability to count free roaming animals. That's a talent and a resource that lives in the wildlife management world. And so recently there's been a move to collaborate more with experts from animal shelters 
and veterinarians and wildlife management so we can get some good census taking of cats in the environment. And then that will allow us to look at the various ways we approach these cats to see what the best tactics are. None of us have enough money or enough volunteer time or staff to waste when we're talking about helping cats. So we need to make sure we're investing these resources the most effective way. But one thing about the Million Cat Challenge is one of our five key initiatives is alternatives to intake. And this is looking for positive alternatives to keep cats in the home or in the community when admission to the shelter is not the best choice. And for many cats that are already living in the community, the best choice for them is to provide them with sterilization, vaccines, and medical care, and let them live in the neighborhoods that they call home. So over the years, this is something that we're running into sort of up here in New England, where we've had a lot of trap neuter return programs operate over the last 15 or so years. Um, and we're dealing with a lot of older age issues with our community cats. So some of our clinics up here are having to address almost more wellness issues rather than population issues. Do you foresee that happening down the road with many of our high-volume clinics? I do think that's the case, and it's the natural evolution of a highly successful TNR program. The fact that the kittens aren't being born, and so the existing population is starting to age out, is what we've observed in several other highly effective TNR programs. And we do encounter these challenges of these elderly cats that start to develop hyperthyroidism, diabetes, kidney disease, dental disease, and other diseases of old age. And we need to be prepared to support those cats. One thing we have also noticed, though, is a lot of those older cats eventually tame down enough to come come inside, or I think life life outside gets a, <laughs> a little harder for them, and they start to think that climate control in a soft bed yep. is uh, what they would like to do. So in my experience, also a, a lot of times at the successful end of a TNR program is the cats end up bonding with the caregivers and making the transition inside. But some of them carry their elderly stage of life through the outside and continue to love the neighborhoods they live in. When I last looked, I think the Million Cat Challenge was almost close to 600,000 cats. So it looks like you should be reaching your goal, correct? Well, we started in 2014. So we're in currently in the third year of the challenge. And we'll be closing out 2016 uh, with over 600,000 cats saved in animal shelters. And it's important to point out that this is 600,000 more cats than the shelters were already saving. So we compare each shelter to its baseline life saving. So we expect at our current momentum that our shelters, and there's over a thousand of them registered so far in this program, to reach their goal of a million sometime late in 2017. So we're very excited and proud of our shelters for reaching this goal early, but that's not going to stop the momentum of this program. Our goal is to enculturate these life-saving key initiatives into animal sheltering for the future so that this becomes the culture of how cats are cared for in animal shelters. So our big goal, since we're doing so well, is to finish up the Million Cat Challenge by saving a million more cats in a single year. Oh, wow. And 
based on what we think we know about how many cats are entering shelters and are euthanized, that may be most of the healthy and treatable cats that end up in shelters. That's great. That was You read my mind. I was going to ask you, so what's next after that? So you've answered that question. And that will be a, uh, a tremendous goal to aspire to. So I'll be very excited to see that happen and how that you know happens in the, in the years ahead. If there is a shelter that is not part of the Million Cat Challenge right now, is it possible for them still to sign up and participate? Absolutely. We're um, recruiting shelters continuously to join the challenge, and we make it very easy. This is very much about supporting the shelters and the work they do and helping them reach their life-saving goals. There's a lot of peer-to-peer coaching for shelters that have already solved some of the problems that they face with cats to help shelter managers and veterinarians and staff uh, at shelters that want to to be like that. So we have discussion groups, a lot of webinars and specific training and consultation from our shelter medicine programs. So shelters can sign up at any time. They can just go online at milliongatchallenge.org. There's a short registration process and a little bit of data that we collect so we can track their progress. It should be recognized that all of the data is confidential, so we roll it up into one big number that you can look at every day to see the progress. So shelters don't have to be anxious about being attacked or having any negative response to their current status because they're joining to change that. So even shelters that have high euthanasia rates at this time and are frustrated with that, this is a very safe campaign to be involved with. Julie, if people were interested in finding out more about the Million Cat Challenge or if they had any questions for you, would it be best for them to go through that Million Cat Challenge website? Yes, that's the the best place to learn about it. You can see our current progress. There's a map that shows all the shelters that are already involved. And we also welcome rescue groups, spay-neuter clinics, and other organizations that are helping cats to sign on as supporting organizations. You can register and get your pin on a map to help your local shelters reach their life-saving goals. Really, Life-saving involves a whole community working together. It can't be just the shelter or just the rescue groups or just the TNR groups. The amount of progress that can be made when communities come together to support that is multiplied many times over when everybody's working on the same path. That's great, Julie. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I guess the new news is that we've just developed a partnership with the ASPCA to help us promote the Million Cat Challenge and help us get to our goal of a million cats saved and beyond to a million cats saved in a single year. The ASPCA has a powerful shelter campaign engine. They know how to run time-limited campaigns to help shelters increase their life-saving, and they're going to bring a lot of new power to this project. Oh, it's very exciting. Julie, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on my show, and I just am honored and privileged, and I especially want to thank you for all of the efforts that you've done over the years. You are a leader in this industry. You are a role model. You are a mentor to so many, and I just want to thank you personally for all of the efforts that you've done to advocate for community cats. I've certainly looked at your work often over the years and just admired everything that you've done. So I want to thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. 
Oh, that's so sweet, Stacy, And thank you for this great podcast of really bringing out all the good news that's happening for cats. This really is a transformational time, and it's so wonderful to be part of it. Thank you for listening to a Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 